Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Look at that production. Throws the name in. Boy, Cesar Perez holding it down over there. But, of course, he's doing it for a very important reason. We have the luxury of having Mark Grody in the studio to talk about our Chicago Bears. He was there today grabbing some phenomenal audio. Now, I've never been in that media room. Is it like six guy, six old dudes in there just like <laughs> asking like pestering with questions? Or what? what is the, how many people are in that room? Yeah, so today. Today, or for big events like today, opening day for the Chicago Bears, essentially, training camp opens, there are eh, twice as many people. So, guesstimate. So, I get, yeah, I was trying to think that like, when you like asked 50 the question. or 100? No, no, more like 50. Okay. More like 50. That's a lot. It is to, to pack into. Just a, it's a, you know, um, God, I don't even know, wouldn't know how to describe the size of the room. Uh, how big would you say the studio is here? Let's say probably in? like a 15 by 20. So, see, I couldn't do that whole 15 by 20 thing you just okay. did. That's a good trick to have. My like degree's that. in economics, not in radio broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I told him that that was great. Okay. That, so I would say it's it's a little bit bigger than that, than this room. Okay. Um, and then there's you know the podium and all, but yeah, it was it was wall to wall people, and then there's you know the, the, today there was, there was photographers. You don't always have the photographers out there, sure. and then there's a you know outside of the main area where they hold the press conferences. That's where we all that's where our little cubicles are. We all have our own oh, cubicle. Really? Yes. Oh wow! It's the media room. Shout so the yes, there, there is a formal. Placard, you know, on, that says Mark Rody. Are you serious? Uh, the score. You have an office at, at Hallis? Well, it's a cubicle. I so call it's not it an really, office. Yeah, the only one who has an office. You want to know the only person who's got an office? Hub. I don't know if Uh-oh. he deserves it anymore. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Jeff Choniak. Oh, stop has, it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> no, he does deserve. He does a yeah. He does his updates out there. Yeah. And he he's got his own editing that he does because he does like ninety seven raps a day yeah. for WBBM. <laughs> so I'm just jealous that he has an office so is it like is it like wolves like everyone's in there just salivating ready to ask their questions yeah yeah it's, yeah during the actual press conference yeah there is no quote-unquote order to it there's nobody okay. call that was the that was the that was the good and the bad of of the zoom and during the pandemic because there was order ah. there was order but oftentimes it would be difficult then to get follow-ups in or get another question asked like forget it there's no tricks to the zoom whereas there are tricks of the trade 
in asking questions. And yes, it's a free for all. It's it's 50 of us in the room and everybody trying to get their questions in. And as a press conference goes on, there are more and more voices competing for the attention of the interview subject because Time the clock out. is ticking yeah. and they got to get their angle in. Dude. Everybody's got the sidebar to write. Mark, I am too passive for that. Oh, yeah. I would just be like, learn, man, dude, I'm no, like, no. If I'm you had, no, no, no. See, if you, here's the thing. If you had an assignment, if you were on quote unquote deadline for something, you had Can't to. Can't you just pluck from somebody else? Well, <laughs> see now? Well, <laughs> no. On. Are you oh, kidding, okay. man? It's a lot Smarter, of sensitive reporters. <laughs> There's a okay. lot of sensitive reporters. They have to get over it. Yeah, there has to be some moral conduct. So. Okay. Well, there's going to be some some good content happening here on 670 The Score tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Coach Eberflus will be on with Mully and Hall, so make sure you're listening to there, all you reporters, so you can steal some of our audio to write an article of your own. <laughs> well, there are aggregators, so but they the aggregators are good because they credit they credit all of us. Sure. So sometimes every once in a while, I'll see my name credited. Oh, very nice of you to I credit did ask me. That question. They, I did ask that question. Do you like that? See, I knew that was a good question. So, um, but anyway. The, yeah, it's it, it's quite a bouncy day today, and everything was fresh and new, and we heard from the most powerful of voices, you know, as it pertains to the Bears today. So um, very interesting, the whole atmosphere, for but, sure. But we also heard from some other people, too, Yeah, right? man. So well, I've got one. I think I got – did I – I did the Justin Fields. Let me make you got sure. got Jalen and Justin, I right? do. I think that's my last cut, as a matter of fact. So here here's another – I know um, Caesar over there is trying to one-up me with his great production work, but again. Um, In real time. Yeah, now this is not the magic of editing on my part this time. Both Jalen Johnson and Justin Jones, the, the Bears, who should be the Bears three technique, they were up there together. So we were hitting them both with questions. The first voice you will hear is Jalen Johnson and then Justin Jones, but they were at this. This is a very interesting answer to the new accountability that these players are going to have to follow when it comes to the hits principle and loafs and all that kind of stuff. So here's Jalen Johnson to begin this one. Really running to the ball like you guys know. We're, we got to be in shape. We're going to be running a lot more. And it's, 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 everything is just emphasized differently. Everything is just being harped on. Um, and I mean, the way that they count loafs, the way that they just hold us accountable is 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 crazy compared to what we're used to, really. But, I mean, I feel like it's all going to pay off. I feel like you can never be in too much shape. You can never be too physical. You can never play football hard enough. So, I mean, I feel like it's all for good for good measure, for good purpose. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely going to be a challenge, and I feel like we're up for it. Have either of you guys been called out in the film sessions for not going hard enough? Oh, we all have. Yeah, I mean, sure. if anybody says they haven't, they lying to y'all. For sure. <laughs> I mean, you just gotta you, you gotta look in yourself and hold yourself accountable at, at first. You gotta you gotta like, am I am I going as hard as I could on this possible on this play? Because in the game, like you know, Jalen got to know that I'm gonna run my ass to the ball, you know, every time. Because if I, if I ain't come on that backside and he cut back and he scored a touchdown, that's on me. That ain't on him. You know what I'm saying? You gotta know the help there. But you know, for him to for him to have that confidence in me, you gotta see it in practice. You know, you can't assume that's gonna happen in the game if you ain't seen him all, all training camp, all you know, OTA. So. That's that's the reason why you know everybody's holding each other accountable right now because in the game you just have to know some your teammates going to be there to have that trust you know what I'm saying in the guys you you have to know it's going to be there and that's why it's so important that you know they're, that that they're holding us accountable that's, that's why it's so important that you know everybody's running to the ball we're making sure that even even if it's the slightest lope you know that that that's why that's why they're on it so hard just just for that reason because if you if you can play you know knowing that you've got the trust and belief in your teammates you can play free 
You know what I'm saying? You, you can take more shots knowing that you're going to be covered up by your teammates, and that, that's, that's the importance of it. So, Counting loafs. I love that, Mark. Yeah. Am I going as hard as possible? That sounds like a coach that's doing his job right there, getting the best out of his players. Oh, yeah, and they're out there apparently buzzing these guys, you know, like both of like Jalen Johnson and just two probably very important players on this version of the Chicago Bears, yeah. two very important players on their defense, and both are, oh, hell yeah, I've got buzz. Oh, yeah, man. I right, right. Loafs, oh, yeah, I, but, I've been singled out. But, yep. but that's great, right, where it's yeah. like every person is then realizing at one point or another, I can – play a little bit harder i can practice a little bit harder yep and that's what you want yeah from your guys you know and it's not like this system that matt eberflus runs and that ryan poles appreciates is so far off from what other teams do every team hustle that you know the idea is hustle to the ball but as jalen johnson said i don't know if he said it in this one or one of the other cuts that i had had from from the day um but you know, he just said that it's just emphasized more by this regime. Course, hustle, practice hard, all that football stuff. But they really, it's like what they major in. That that is that is their emphasis. That is what they. That's their specialty. We will hold you accountable. And you know, there there's been you know pretty good results in Matt Eberflus's coaching life. Yeah, because then at that point, once I'm implementing my game plan, my my plays, I know that they're going to be executed to the fullest because yeah. I've already my our baseline is effort. Yeah, baseline is effort exactly. And you know, rushing to the football and and talking, a lot of like I did notice say there is a discernible difference between the Matt Nagy regime and this regime in terms of talking. And I, I always there there are certain points where I do feel compelled to say that this that is not meant at least from my perspective, to disparage the previous regime. There right. are definitely – Jalen did. There, well, kind of, kind of. That what we're used to. Kind of. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, think he, talking I don't think he completely sold them out because he did say it's like it wasn't like and, – and I'll say the same thing. It's not like the Matt Nagy uh, training camps were slow and sluggish right. and everybody's right. just sitting around and taking breath. Like if they ran good, you know, uh, high-tempo – training camps as well this one is just there is something military militant more about it yeah more accountability more we you know always so there is no loafs i mean just with the idea that they're loafs and counting them and, and counting the loafs that's awesome but and and look and matt nagy did a ton of things that i disagree with but but Sometimes I have to stop and say this is not meant as a shot or shouldn't be meant as a shot at the previous Who regime. Cares? Well, no, I don't care. I mean, but I'm gonna I'm gonna use the actual cases okay. where I can look at it and say, what a horrible game plan in week three <laughs> against the Bengals right. when Justin Fields was sacked nine times. Anybody? Right. Bill Lazor? Anybody's this thing on? D Filippo? Matt? Hello? Let me ask you this. And we'll talk about Eberflus and what he 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 will be doing with these Chicago Bears. A lot of people are saying that are, that the defense might take a step back because of the players that are there, but then others are saying with an Eberflus coach defense should be better. But then some would say it's two rookies. Like you know, what's your take on the Bears defense and what what it can be? Well, this upcoming it, season, it's a, it is a great question because we 
it's it's not asked enough right now because we're so focused on as usual and covering the Bears, so focused on the offense. But yeah, there there are legitimate playmakers that this team lost with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, and who knows if Robert Quinn is going to be back. And you know, same deal with with Roquan Smith. Um, but that because of the system that they are running and what they are emphasizing, as we just talked about. Sometimes that really comes in handy for a team that doesn't have the standout talent. That okay, systematically we're going to be a good defense. We're going to do it. We're going to do this a uniform way, and I feel like that protects you from being awful. To being, I'm yeah. not saying that this is going to be a good defense, but I think it can be an average to above average defense if everybody truly buys in and you've got that hustle thing going and getting ball hawking. You're going to come up with some plays even if you don't have the that super standout player. You know, Roquan and Robert Quinn could probably be thrown into that category, but if you don't have a lot of those guys, then sometimes it it is the system that can absolutely rule. I talked with with Bernstein and Rahimi today about, and Dan brought up the idea about how Matt Eberflus seems to like flexibility with players, players okay. being able to play in different positions. That's that's another thing that is advantageous when you don't have the the elite talent. That okay, you got different players that can play different positions, and we could try different things with this guy on the outside or this guy on the inside or that guy at the mic or or will or whatever. That you have the flexibility to do that. That also will help the case for the Bears defense. That's I think. exciting. Yeah. Uh, that's what I wanted to hear because when you're going into the season. If you brought in a coach who is defensive minded, you then yeah. expect your defense to be better. You do. Absolutely. Or or just not horrible. And when your first two draft picks are, you know, defensive guys that <laughs> yeah. you expect to be starters. Yes. Or you know, one of them should be at least, then you say to yourself, Okay, well then we're we're headed in the right direction on that side of the ball. Man, Mark, I'm I'm so excited to talk to you again tomorrow. Yeah, man. Six o'clock. Make sure you guys are here for it. We'll be covering Chicago Bear football. On the way out, last question. What what are you expecting from the Bears during this upcoming training camp? Hmm. Well, I, I am going to be a ton of focus, obviously, on Justin Fields. And what I am looking forward to seeing is who is the wide receiver that is going to step up and be the other number one wide receiver? Um, there are many different candidates, starting with with Byron Pringle, and it just goes on and on and on with players that might be possibilities for the wide receiver spot um, or spots. There are openings, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who distinguishes himself in in that regard. I, I'll be very disappointed if we don't see Jaquan Brisker and Kyler uh, Gordon as starters. I mean, yeah. the, the, you mentioned the two. Second-round picks, Gordon, the cornerback, hopefully opposite of Jalen Johnson. At least that seems ideal to me. And then Jaquan Brisker being the strong safety to Eddie Jackson's free safety. So I, that'll be interesting to see how those guys progress if they are at the level that I think that they are immediately. So those come to mind. And then I think you know maybe the biggest thing – and we talked about it a little bit earlier is the the offensive line and who <laughs> who what's Woo. the configuration going to be <laughs> who's and once they have it down will it be right will it be good um you know there were and they, like i said if, if you missed it earlier we did ask like who's going to be 
how's it going to be configured tomorrow when they have their first practice? And they said, hey, wait and see. So, yeah. so that, nothing to report. And right that's now. what we'll do. Yeah. Wait and see. Wait but and we, see. Will, we will report on it tomorrow. I'll Again, be right back here at 6, 6 o'clock. Grody yep. will be here. And then do not forget, 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, Muddy and Haw, Coach Eberflus will be on with them. So that, that way you'll get another idea of what he's thinking uh, in the a.m. Grody, appreciate you as always, brother. See you tomorrow, man. That's right, man. All right, we got some more sports talk on the way. We got Sam Phelan joining us. Because we got to find out what's going on with these Chicago White Sox. Does he think some guys will be moved at the trade deadline? We'll find out on the other side. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Go Bears! Gabe Ramirez on 670, the score, and on 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Now, this is summertime, right, Caesar? Did you know? See, the good thing about having me on this damn station is I got my, I got my little musical knowledge. This was recorded here in Chicago. I did not know that. Summertime was recorded right here in Chicago, Illinois. Will Smith, DJ Jazz Jeff. Hit the high note. Go ahead, Caesar. Ah! <laughs> if you guys could only see his face. Caesar, I almost did. I, I almost I, got I here, but I'm like, ah! I saw it. Gotta, gotta be co- confidently do that, man. And speaking of confidence, that's something that the White Sox need going into the second half of the season. Of course, first series they split against the Cleveland Indians. Uh, keep that going right there. And uh, now they have a stretch, as Matt Spiegel would say, of 19 games against teams that have a, a record below 500. So let's talk to us a little bit about that. I know he's doing... Tennessee Titans football, but this is a guy I enjoy talking White Sox baseball with. Extremely knowledgeable. His name's Sam Phelan. He's from A to Z Sports. Sam, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Gabe, thanks for having me back on, man. I appreciate it. Of course. You said he went out of, out of the country, so I had to get you on one more time. And he joins us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. First and foremost, I know you're a Sox fan. I know you're covering Titans stuff out there and Tennessee stuff, but you're a, a true Sox fan. What did you think? Going after that four-game series against Cleveland where they split, obviously everyone had high hopes about the team and, and assuming that they were going to win at least three out of four. But what would you take away after that series? Man, it is the microcosm of the White Sox season, I think, in a lot of ways, kind of coming out disappointing. And just when you think you're about to write them off again, they come surging back. And now we're here filled with a little bit of hope for the stretch against a little bit of a weaker schedule. So you like to see the fight. You like to see uh, somebody like Lance Lynn getting back on track with his start. I think that would bode very well for the White Sox in the second half to have Lynn back pitching like his normal self, but kind of just a story of the whole season, having them back and forth and not really being able to figure out the identity of this team and, just crossing your fingers that they go on a little bit of a run. Sam, it was heartbreaking is what it was, watching that and saying to yourself, wait, there is no hope. This team is exactly what we've seen this entire <laughs> season. This is They're not going to somehow miraculously t- go on a 10-game winning streak. You want that, but after that Cleveland series, it was tough. Now they're going up against the Colorado Rockies. Of course, tonight, Kopech going up against Herman Marquez, who's a phenomenal pitcher. And so it's going to be interesting to see. you got no Luis Robert. What uh? What do you think about the guys that have been plugged back into the lineup? Eloy Jimenez coming back, hitting that big home run, and Yasmani Grandal. Do you think the, the team's going to look a little bit different with these guys back in the lineup? 
Well, that's how the team is going to look a little bit different, Gabe. It's, it's Yasmani Grandal, it's Eloy Jimenez, it's Juan Moncada, who's been swinging it well recently, trying to get things back on track. And if those guys are who the White Sox think they are and the White Sox are paying them to be, there's no reason that they can't be the most talented team in the AL Central. Now, we've been saying that all season, and like you said, they continually fail to rip off that run. But uh, I'd like to see Eloy just bringing a little power to a lineup that has struggled hitting the home run, has not hit the ball out of the park, and you almost kind of turning it around, like I said, uh, getting on base regularly, driving runs. That's They have to come up, especially with Luis Robert uh, – with, I don't know if it's vertigo, whatever it is going on with him where he's not in your lineup now, you want to get them all together, but as long as you have somebody out with Robert, somebody's got to step up, and right now it has to be Jimenez or Moncada. It's, it's next man up for the time being, and just crossing your fingers on Robert, hoping you get guys back together soon. Sam Phelan from A to Z Sports joining us right here on 670 to score. Sam, you touched on it, the long ball. That's what's been missing from this team. When you're looking at last year, you know, you had guys that can get on base, T.A., Yohan Mankata, but even he was someone that you could depend on to hit that home run, to bring some runs in. And it seems as though that's been missing from his game, as though, although we've seen it as of late. And Eloy, obviously, seeing him hit the long ball, he saw the difference in those last two games when A.J. Pollock went yard, when uh, Eloy did as well. I mean, that that's what you want from this team. Can they keep that up? Or was that just a glimpse and, 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 and a flash in the pan from this team? I think you have to write it off as a glimpse until they prove otherwise. Uh, One way they would be able to keep it up is through the trade deadline and through acquiring a power bat. We know that they have lacked power from the left side without Yasmini Grandal really being in the lineup most games and Gavin Sheets underperforming. So, you know that that's a need, and we'll see what Rick Hahn and company choose to do at the trade deadline to assess that. But, Gabe, it's the same story for me where these things like power, some of these things like starting pitching or even the bullpen, it's a show me, prove it to me. You know, we've seen the flashes, but like you just said earlier, it's time to do it for a two-week stretch. It's time to take these bad teams, these under 500 teams that you're about to play, and go on a run and get back into the division race. And uh, I mean, the results are going to speak for themselves. I would like to see the White Sox go and get some power, some left-handed power specifically at the trade deadline, and definitely a, a starting pitcher for the time being. We know the bullpen might need a little help from the left side as well. There's a lot of needs on this team, but the White Sox can't be half in, and Rick Hahn has to, you know, really step up to the plate here. He, ha- he has to step up to the plate and fill the needs of the White Sox. Uh, if they want to do those things like hit the ball out of the park at a more consistent level. It's interesting. You, you know, you brought up the bullpen. You've heard Rick Hahn talk about it a lot. And it's been shocking to me because I feel like that's one of the like the strongest areas of the Chicago White Sox team. And it has been their bullpen, whether it's the back end with Liam Hendricks. You got great. You got guys that have really been stepping up, Reynaldo Lopez. And I understand, yes, you need a lefty arm so that you could put him in situational, you know, high leverage situations and Bummer's not there yet. But I don't feel like that's the – if I were to put it in order of importance, I don't see the bullpen being the number one need for the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. I mean, Rick Hahn has been saying that that's the priority. And, you know, like you said, a left-handed arm is certainly on the list, on the shopping list when he makes phone calls at the end of the month here. But uh, for right now, for me, you know, 
the biggest thing I would say would be a starting pitcher. And you have seen Lance Lynn not perform at times. Michael Kopech has had a little bit of dead arm down the stretch here. Lucas Giolito, I'm not sure what's going on with him. But Dylan Cease and Johnny Crano have been carrying that rotation for far too long now. And if the Sox want a chance at making a run at the division, I think it's that lefty bat that I mentioned, the power bat, to really fulfill, like, you can't have Leary Garcia, Gavin Sheets, Adam Angle, those guys in your lineup. <laughs> right. Every, like, no. You can't make a run doing that, guys. So you either have to go get a guy that locks down your lineup or you have to, uh, and I would say, and you have to uh, go get a starting pitcher to really solidify what you have going on. Cause you can't have any more bad starts. You can't be punting any more games against beatable teams. Yeah, John Morosi, we had an opportunity to talk to him yesterday. And he was mentioning some names that the Chicago White Sox could be interested in in terms of that starting pitching role. And then you've also seen, you know, guys like Jose Quintana brought up and, and as to somebody that can fill the void. He mentioned that maybe the Sox could move on from Cueto, that he's been doing so well that maybe he's the guy you, you trade to get some assets in return if Lance Lynn can continue to pitch the way that he has in his last outing. Do you feel, two, two-part question there, do you feel like Quintana can fill that void and do you feel like Lance Lynn can continue to pitch the way he did his last time out? Uh, I tend to subscribe to yes with Lance Lynn. Uh, I, you know, I know his sample size is small for this year, but this is not a Dallas Keuchel type of sample size, even though, you know, it's same amount of starts, whatever. Lance Lynn was in the top six in the Cy Young voting about three years in a row. Uh, I, subs- I love his bulldog mentality. You know, he's a guy that's, going to go take it. So I believe in Lance Lynn to right the ship a little bit and be good for you down the stretch. And as far as Jose Quintana is concerned, I actually do think that is a great fit for the Sox. I'm not sure that's the name White Sox fans want to hear, but (laughs) you do also have to keep in mind that, you know, going and getting a frontline starter might just create problems for you down the stretch with, uh, you know, Johnny Cueto has been awesome and Dylan Cease. What happens if Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn do figure it out? Then you're kind of in a jam and you don't have enough innings to go around. But Quintana's a great guy that I think you can maybe just hang in between your rotation and your bullpen and come from the left side and add a little bit of, you know, the White Sox are all right-handed in their starting rotation. So that's the kind of arm uh, that I think would go a long way towards just giving some some – depth to this rotation that they need sam phelan from a to z sports joining us on 670 the score i did it's like you know you do need that left and see where the switch up is right where you get quintana in there and then you're like okay and then he seems like the type of player that would love to come back to where you know somewhere he he had a lot of he laid a lot of foundation for and really try to contribute to some sort of playoff run speaking of contributing second base has been an issue all season long regardless of who's been there but Harrison has been playing well as of late. What's your take on him, and do you feel like he remains the second baseman for the Chicago White Sox as the season comes to a a conclusion? Yeah, I I do think Josh Harrison is the second baseman for the rest of the season. Um, As long as he's healthy, we've seen him sidelined a little bit with something in his hamstring, I believe. But I have been a a big fan of Harrison. Really, since the start of June, you kind of saw him flip the switch, having some better at-bats driving the ball and hitting extra base hits, even home runs. Many other members of the White Sox lineup weren't doing that. The biggest thing with him, Gabe, is the defense for me. 
Uh, you've seen the White Sox defense be abysmal and be the thing that kind of has taken them out of some games. And Harrison's about as reliable as they get. So as long as he's swinging the bat uh, at a competent level and he seemed, definitely seemed to have turned the corner in that way, uh, that defense is worth putting in your lineup. Um, and he's certainly an upgrade over Garcia. He's an upgrade over, uh, well, obviously, Mendick unavailable. So I think he's your best option. And really, they have bigger fish to fry with the roster and trying to find other replacements. True. All right. Before I get you out of here, let me ask you about some of the bigger names that are dominating the trade deadlines. Obviously, rumors are circulating that the White Sox have at least had conversations about everyone, whether it's Juan Soto or, you know, Ben Tendi. They're even mentioning Ian Happ being someone that the, the White Sox have inquired about. What's your take on the bigger names? Do you think that's even a possibility, or do you think, you know, guys like Ian Happ could be somebody that could be had by the Chicago White Sox? Yeah, Happ, I, I definitely think it's attainable. Uh, I, I, there's been plenty of rumors swirling, uh, maybe packaging a, a young arm or Christian Mena or Norhe Vera in with a couple of the White Sox prospects to put a package together. He will come a little bit cheaper because he's on a year and a half, uh, so a, a little bit of an extended rental, and he fits perfectly with what the White Sox need. Uh, Juan Soto, I, I mean, it's a pipe dream. If you're a White Sox fan, you uh, – you understand, understand that you're just dreaming. I'm not sure, Gabe, that White Sox fans were meant to experience a talent like Juan Soto on the south side and in, in the White Sox uniform. I don't think we were born for that. So uh, that Ouch. seems like a little bit of a, of a stretch at this point. But I definitely think Hap is attainable. I think that's the home run name if you're Rick Hahn at this point is bringing in a guy like that who kind of checks every box for what the White Sox haven't done well. They love guys that can play multiple positions. So whether it's you know all three outfield spots or – sliding him into second base if needed. Ian Happ could be that dude. He seen, you saw his heart today in, in, in what potentially could be his last game at, at Wrigley Field in the Cubs jersey. So it'll be interesting to see what happens as the t- trade deadline approaches. Sam, love having you on, man. Now, the next time I'm going to talk to you is when we're talking football, though, all right? Yeah, all right. I'm <laughs> in for that. I appreciate it. Hey, congratulations on the new gig, man, for real. Thank you. All right, Thank Sam you. Phelan from A to Z Sports joining us here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. Man, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one, you know, because I'm a I'm 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 diehard Sox fan. So when I look at these next 19 games, Caesar, it's one thing to go 10 and nine against the AL Central because then you can kind of say, hey, your opponents know you and it's in division and those kinds of things. You can make those kinds of excuses or like as Gertie would say, the, the layers of excuses. But this is a different type of stretch. Like you're going up against the Rockies. And, and, you know, as an AL fan, you're saying to yourself, well, it's the NL, and, you know, you should be able to beat up on those teams. And you're going up against the Royals. And, you know, you got to win those games. You got to win those games. And if, and if you can't handle the lower-level competition, you got to stop playing down to your competition. You got to be the team that you are. Every single analyst that comes on this show, when talking about the White Sox, they say the same thing. They're the most talented team in the division. I'm tired of hearing that. If, if you are playing in October and, and the White Sox make the postseason, this is the stretch you're going to look back on and say, that's that's when we turn it on. That's when it happened. It, it's this stretch yes. you're in right now. Yes, not the last stretch. We were, I was on with uh, Spiegel yesterday filling in for Danny Parkins, and we were making jokes that, you know, it's always a certain stretch. And then I was the one that looked at the next, and I was like, dude, next 19 games are good. And they're like, dude, Gabe, is that the stretch or is it the stretch from the stretch? It just, this is, this is it because it's one. Because you can stay close by beating up on each other 
within the division. You could stay close and then hope in the last couple of weeks in the season. We've seen it happen to the Chicago White Sox. The Twins have, you know, leapfrogged them at one point a couple years ago. We've seen the Sox play poorly as the season finished and then win some games to kind of hold on to their lead. We've seen that happen. So you can just stay close and create something as in the last couple of weeks of the season. But this part right here where you're facing teams that are below 500, if you end up with a near 500 record against these guys, then you're saying that's who you really are. You are not the most talented team in the AL Central. You can't be if you're losing to teams that are below 500. You cannot be. You cannot lay claim to that name anymore. And what's interesting, Caesar, is that I was saying, you know, last year people were saying the White Sox are a year ahead of schedule. A lot of people were saying that. They weren't supposed to go that far. They're playing. So did we make the mistake as fans and as a city to put the pressure on, if they were a year ahead last year, are, did, did we then make the mistake of then saying, well, then they, then therefore they should be ahead of schedule this year as well? Because if you were talking to analysts two years ago in 2020, they, were, they would tell you 2023 would have been the year that the Sox were going to begin their run or that window would have been open. Does the word overachieve come into play you know, the, the, you start thinking that maybe they were an overachieving team last well, year. Well, maybe well, they weren't as good as as we thought they were. Well, that's that's kind of where I'm going with it, which is last year you might have overachieved, but this year you're more so in alignment with where you're supposed to be. Not necessarily running away with the AL Central, but staying competitive and close enough. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Chicago White Sox over the course of these next couple of games. And I'll sure as hell will be talking about these guys for, as, this, as this whole thing continues. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670, the score. And on the other side of this, I, I want to talk about somebody else that's been making me mad, and that's Draymond Green. Draymond Green's been making me mad. What's my opinion? What do I think the 98 Bulls would have done to the 2017 Golden State Warriors? How many games do I think that series would go? I'll tell you on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. I just want to say thank you all, and it's always everybody else. I love y'all. We're back, live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. And by everybody else, clearly he's talking about the 1998 Chicago Bulls. Somebody said he picked the worst team of the six championships Jordan won. I say I could care less which team he chose. Mike Wilbon said it best. He said, do, do you think these guys wouldn't play defense? Do you think Jordan Pippen, Ron Harper, and Dennis Rodman were just going to let you shoot and do what? Are you serious? So here's, here's what I would like. Here's what I would like. You know, I, I like, see, I like messing with the text line, you know, so that that way when the guys come in the morning, Molly and Hall, they're like, what the hell are all these random numbers on the screen for? What was Gabe talking about? So the text line is 312 312- 644 67 67. You're driving in your car. You probably rolled your eyes at this statement as well. What I want you to do is text in what the series would be. Is it 4 0? Is it 4 3? Do you think Jordan will finally make it to his first game seven in the NBA Finals? If these two teams were meeting up, what would it be? What would that, what would that be? Would it, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that's four for sure for the Bulls. This is a stupid conversation. But Draymond and Curry. Excuse me, KD and Curry are gonna. I'm gonna say two games. They're gonna get hot. Like you're gonna, you're gonna run into some games 
where KD is shooting lights out and Curry is shooting lights. That's just going to happen over the course of six games. So, so my guess is going to be four two. Not my guess. My answer, my definitive answer is going to be four to two. So, I want you to text that in as you're driving around. Keep your eyes on the road. Wait till you're at a red light. But text in what do you think the series would be if the two were to play each other? And if you, for whatever reason, feel like Golden State would win that, then I then make sure you put Golden State wins in that text as well. Because I'm going to assume we're here in Chicago and you're you're talking about just that, Caesar. You are a guy that loves the Bulls. And I don't know how you feel about Draymond, but the 2017 team was good. Let's, let's, let's be real. Let's not throw shade at them completely. But do you feel as though they had a, a, a shot to win that series against the 98 Bulls? No, you know, to me, uh, comparisons of historical teams, the, the toughest place to do it is within the NBA because you want to talk about pre-2000 and post-2000. You, you're literally talking about two different leagues, right? Okay. The way that defense was played, just the physicality of the league. Uh, and like you're saying, right, not, not to take anything away from those Warrior teams. Those are great teams. But they were playing in a completely different type of game than Michael Jordan and those Bulls were playing in. I, the hand check alone, mm. you know, just the defense that was played. Again, exactly what you just said, right? They were good teams. But they weren't playing the same type of ball those Bulls teams were playing. And just for that fact alone, I definitely think the Bulls are going to win the series. I, I would go with a 4-2 as well just because, as four you two? said. Like it. I, you know, just because there's still Kevin Durant. There's still Steph Curry, right? They're still decent. Not decent. They're still one of the all-time great teams. They really are. But to say that they're just going to go in there and just take care of the Bulls like that, that's ridiculous. I mean. He was saying they're going to beat them by 20. No way. I mean, there's no way. Dude, I, it, maybe maybe because in the playoffs, when you're winning by seven with five or four, two minutes left or ten or whatever, you take your guys out, and then it becomes a blowout because they're like, all right, we're going to rest our guys and get you ready. Like, that's the only way I can see you winning any of those games by that much. But when you're talking, I mean, they beat the supposed GOAT for the younger people in LeBron James. He was on that team. LeBron James is on the 2017 Cleveland Cavaliers. Let's not forget that. I mean, I could totally see a situation where, just like the Bulls did to Seattle, right? Up 3-0, and they might drop two, but then come back home and win game six. I could totally see that happening with that series. Again, you know, it's 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 hard to compare these teams because they're not even playing the same style of game. I mean, they're not playing in the same league. You know, could Steph Curry handle uh, an 82-game physical type of season the way they used to play no, because in 97, they went 98? And, no, because know? they went 72-10 and 10 and then lost in the finals. I mean, that's not like, you know, you, you think about stuff like that. Could could Steph Curry hold up playing the physical style that Jordan and Pippen were playing back in 96, 97, 98? Could he even play a full season in that style? You know, and, and Draymond Green might be a bully in modern-day NBA but would he be Who's that he same? bullying on, on the Bulls and the 98 Bulls? Who's exactly. he bullying? You know, not even just the Bulls playing it, just playing in that era. Is he going to be pushing around Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing and these guys <laughs> that Jordan and these guys were, you know, those Knicks teams in the 90s? Is Draymond Green going to be that same bully? Just, just of course not. you know, he's not because they're not even playing the same game. They're really not. He beat in game one of the NBA, 2017 NBA Finals. LeBron James put up 28. Kevin Love put up 15. Kyrie Irving put up 24. You're talking about some really good basketball players. You're not talking about, it's not like you beat up on some bums. Then when you go over to the Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant, 38. Steph Curry, 28. Kevin, damn, Kevin Durant almost had a triple-double that game. 38, 9, and 8 in game one. Steph Curry, 28, 10, and 6. Wow, that's impressive. 
But that's yeah, it. it. Nobody else scored over ten points in that first game. And you know exactly. You know, not to take anything away. They, they, they you can't not say that they're not one of the all-time great teams. Of course, that Warriors team is one of the all-time great teams. But for this era, is the key, right? For this era of the NBA. I don't know if they would be that good playing back in 96, Caesar, 97, 98. Caesar, I hear you because that's the that's the ultimate argument about the eras. And I, I, I'm throwing that away. I'm not even using that as a crutch. I don't even want to include that era crap. I'm talking about the Bull, the 98 Bulls versus the – if I was playing NBA 2K and I put both of those teams up there and simulated it, Jor- who's guarding Jordan? Like let's like I was over here trying to give stats for everyone else on 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 the on on the Golden State Warriors. I was trying to give them some credit. KD's gonna get points. Curry's gonna get points. I told you in that game one, only KD and Curry scored over ten points. That's it. So you're telling me that with some of the best defenders the NBA has seen in Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, let's not forget Jordan won Defensive Player of the Year one year. So if you put these guys on either of those two dudes. That they're just like I said, they're gonna have their games, but we're talking about defense, and and I, and I haven't mentioned the I haven't mentioned Michael Jordan. Who is guarding Michael Jordan? Who? And I really think that's Draymond. Who uh, cares? I, I, I it doesn't <laughs> matter because he's gonna put up sixty on you. How dare you? And Blasphemy. I, I really think that's one thing that Draymond just doesn't either. He doesn't consider. He doesn't realize just how good that team was defensively with Pippen, like you're saying, with Pippen. And, you know, if you want to go to later teams, with Ron Harper out there, you know, I, I, I don't think he really takes that into consideration when he says these things. Of course he doesn't. 773 just texted in. Who's stopping Scotty from dropping 35 a night? If one of them, who, KD? Are you kidding me? Definitely not Clay Thompson. What? He's a good defender. I want to give Clay his little love. You know what I'm saying? But Scottie Pippen, he would be smacking threes on every dunking on people, dunking on Draymond the way he did on Patrick Ewing in the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Again, I didn't even mention like I just started talking about Jordan would average 60. Okay, 53. Jordan, like you know how many times he'd go to the line? He James Harden shot 20-some free throws a game. Like Jordan would shoot. 24 every single game. I like the uh, text from the 219 as well. Dennis Rodman would be in Draymond Green's head all game. That's of true. Course. I mean, how many games is Draymond getting tossed out of? Draymond just had to go up against Grant Smith. Are you kidding me? Are you trying to compare him to Dennis the Raumont of Re- Like, you're just, I don't want to say stupid, but it's a terrible take. It's a, it's a hot take by definition. The, de- the definition of a hot take is something that gets the people going because it's so outrageous. That is a hot take, my friend. Your 2017 Golden State Warriors, they were good. We are not discrediting them. KD is one of the greatest scorers the NBA has ever seen. Steph Curry is one of my favorite players ever, ever. But when you're putting them up against a team, a complete team that the Chicago Bulls were, let's not forget, you got Phil Jackson. Oh, I got a break. Okay, sorry, I'm getting hot. Hot four two bulls. Let me just shout out everybody real quick, Caesar. I know we got to get out. Play Thompson. Good luck, buddy. I love that spell check. Four one bulls from the three one two. Four two art in SoCal. Four two bulls from the three one two. Four. It's just it's all four two four one. These Chicago fans know what they're talking about. They're giving them some respect to win a game or two. 
It's not going to be a sweep, but everybody's saying the Bulls. All right, I'm out. That's it. Drop mic. Do my thing. Skate Ramirez. This is 670 score. Glad you guys are hanging out with me tonight. We got some more good stuff on the way. <sighs> Let's take a breath right there. You know what? Let's just go to break because I might be talking more Bulls on the other side of this. You just never know, all right? We got to stick around to find out. It's Gabe Ramirez. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 